Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. Today is Horticulture Day. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's the holiday season, and even before the advent of the holidays most of us celebrate this time of year, humans were coming up with ways to bring light and greenery into the darkest time of the year. These days, we do it partly by bringing a wide variety of plants into our homes, including full-grown trees. So let's find out how to take care of the plants we bring home for the holidays. To help us out, Aaron Style is here, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. Hello, Aaron. Good morning. And Cindy Haynes, Iowa State University Professor of Horticulture. Hello, Cindy. Good morning. So before we start talking about how to take care of all these plants, uh, Cindy, do you have a favorite of the traditional holiday plants? Mm, It would probably be either the holiday cactus or the amaryllis Um, because I like both of them. I always have both of them. Um, The holiday cactus is nice because I have like a I have a true Thanksgiving cactus a Christmas cactus, and an Easter cactus. Nice. nice. And it is kind of nice when they all bloom. So, yeah, that's kind of fun. All right. How about you, Aaron? You know, mine is actually a really common one, and it's poinsettia. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy poinsettias. I love love the classic red um, uh, ones, but I also love they have some really wonderful, you know, uh, ones that look like they have speckled bracts and some that have uh, really, like, hot pink colors or uh, just... Like there's a lot of fun, um, uh, a lot of fun cultivars of poinsettia out there too. So and they are um, so like vibrant. Yes, they are. they are, and and they are very temporary plant, of course, mm-hmm. um, because they are hard for the average homeowner to get to rebloom in a nice way. You can get them to rebloom; they don't always look great. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and so in that way, they they become more special because they're not around all the time. They're here for a couple of months and then they're gone. And so that kind of makes them uh, even a little more special. Well, let's start with them then. What when you buy your poinsettias at the store, you bring them home. They're gorgeous to start mm-hmm. with. What's the best way, Aaron, to take care of them so they stay beautiful? Well, first step is to make sure that you protect it when you bring it home. These are uh, plants that are not native to cold climates at all, and so even. Uh, temperatures that are a little above freezing can cause damage, especially if they're exposed for uh, a length of time. Uh, Most garden centers and greenhouses will give you a sleeve or put them in a sleeve for you to protect them. And you want to go from warm greenhouse to warm car to warm house, and you're not going to stop in grocery shop with it sitting in your car (laughs) and that kind of thing. But, you know, if you buy them from other locations, like a big box store, you often have to ask for a bag to Mm -hmm. put over top to protect it. So that that can be really helpful to make sure that you get it home and it's and it's nice. Um, the big thing with poinsettias is, is you don't want to overwater them. Mm-hmm. They are very prone to certain root rot diseases. And so if they sit in water, and it's real easy for them to sit in water because they're almost always wrapped in a plastic or foil pot cover that has no drainage in it. And so and you can't see in it. And so it's very easy to accidentally leave water in there that soil stays wet like that, then they develop this kind of root rot issue. They'll start to wilt, and then you'll think they need more water, and then you give them more it's water. It's a vicious and cycle. Yes. Um, <laughs> and they do, is, they do look really sad when they wilt. They yeah. do, absolutely. And so 
it's really important to not overwater. I, you know, most years I water my poinsettia maybe twice the whole holiday season. Uh, they're usually in really low light. Um, and so they're not using a lot of uh, moisture because they're not growing really anymore. Um, and I don't want to accidentally overwater them. So uh, that's one of the best things. A lot of us accidentally lose poinsettias to this kind of root rot disease that's really common. And greenhouse growers really struggle with it. They do a lot of work to keep that root rot disease at bay. And so uh, it's not because we're terrible plant people. It's just these plants are really prone to this problem. So All we right. want to try to avoid it. So keep your poinsettias relatively dry. <laughs> relatively dry. Obviously, if they start wilting because they're too dry, that's not great either. But uh, it takes a while for it to get there. Mm-hmm. Cindy, let's talk about amaryllis bulbs next. That's sure. my favorite. And and it's, awesome. I mean, they're so much fun to watch grow because you can Mm -hmm. see that progress every day. It's kind of a a special kind of instant gratification. And they're so fun with kids, too. Oh, they are so much fun because and they're really, really easy. I mean, this is one of the easiest things to kind of get started. They're not so easy to keep going year after year after year. I'm sensing a theme. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But they are easy um, that first year. So the, the first year, if you get an amaryllis bulb as a Christmas gift, just pot it up where like half of the bulb is above uh, the soil line and uh, water it once uh, to kind of get it started or initiated. And then usually in about a month, you'll start to see some kind of new growth appearing. Um, Often the flower is pretty quick at coming up at this really large bulb and you just enjoy. So most of the time um, that you're growing this amaryllis indoors, you're just enjoying this expansion of growth the opening of these beautiful blooms. They're often red or pink or white or double. Um, there's some nice ones with green in it too. Um, and they're just they're just very vibrant. The foliage sometimes appears before, sometimes after. Um, and the foliage is pretty important to kind of keep that um, near a sunny window, kind of in some bright indirect light. Because after it's done blooming, if you want to keep this, um, you've got to treat this bulb really well, this plant really well. You've got to water, you've got to fertilize um, for the next six months um, to make sure that you've got a really uh, good growing plant um, so that you can kind of give it its drought or dormancy for a couple of months so that you can start it again um, next year. Do you keep yours going? No. (laughs) (laughs) So I mean, I think sometimes we need permission not to, you know? I, this is why I like the waxed amaryllis bulbs because I don't even have to pot it up. I yeah, they're amazing. It, you don't water them. You don't do anything. No, you don't do anything, and you just put them in, you know, and and you you put them in a window or you put them on a a desk, and you know that they're going to bloom. You enjoy the beautiful blooms, and then you pitch them. Um, and and it it is sometimes it is about giving yourself permission to pitch them, um, and knowing that. You're supporting that local garden center <laughs> or that greenhouse um, in, or, you know, different places that are actually grow the, growing them. And that way you can change the color. So you can have white one year, red the next. It's, and, just, it's a lot of fun. And so, life hack, I find that they're often on clearance right before Christmas. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. And they bring and you so much joy in January they, and February. This is true. So it shouldn't be just a Christmas thing. It's a great Valentine's Day thing, too. So um, it's a great um, January, February bloomer. I agree. And the bulbs are so big, even those that are on 
clearance for you know less than five bucks are still going to bloom well for you. So it is a, a nice thing to look at in the middle of winter. Let's talk about buying wreaths that are actually mm-hmm. made out of fresh greenery because they are so beautiful and so fun. Can you do something to help keep those fresh for longer? Yeah. So those green wreaths, those fresh green wreaths, really do best outdoors. Um, indoors, they're very short-lived, um, maybe a week before they start to get kind of crispy. Um, there are some things that you can do to help prolong their life, like spray them with an anti-transparent, like a wilt-proof kind of product, uh, but that gets really sticky and messy. Mm-hmm. You can um, you can mist it very frequently, but that's just impractical and kind of ridiculous, honestly. <laughs> So um, the best way to care for these wreaths is to put them in an outdoor location. And uh, what's really fascinating is is that uh, most years, if you have it outside, uh, it will last all the way through. I mean, I know people who pull the holiday bow off and put a Valentine, like pink bow on it for Valentine's Day, and then they put a green bow on it for um, for St. Patrick's Day, and then they put eggs in it for Easter. Um, and it will be green all the way up until um, basically winter is over if it's outside. So um, that's one of the kind of the best ways to prolong the life of those is to make sure that it's in a, a spot that's not overly exposed to the wind, um, that stays uh, consistently cool, and uh, they will stay green um, most of the winter season if you want it to outdoors. All right. So don't bring them in for a staging area before you put them outside either. It sounds like you want to get them outside in the chilly air as quickly as possible. Yeah. Keeping them outside in that. in that. I mean, you could bring it in, I suppose, for a gathering or something like that and enjoy it indoors for the evening or for the day while you have friends over, those kinds of things. But if you leave it indoors, it will be very short-lived inside. Let's talk about Christmas trees because, of course, you know, a lot of people have already gotten them if they're going to get a live Christmas tree or a cut Christmas tree. But uh, we also, every year I see people saying, oh, you should do this to keep your tree fresher longer. All kinds of interesting life hacks. Uh, Cindy, <laughs> should we just ignore all that advice? Pretty pretty much. <laughs> um, the, the most important thing for that Christmas tree is water. And it's water from day one through, you know, day 21. Uh, and making sure that you have plenty of water. So the aspirin, the pennies, the nails, the what? The Sprite, the, the molasses. Sprite, <laughs> the beer. Don't I put mean, anything yeah. that's going to no. rot in there for sure. <laughs> 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 yeah. it, it is just about checking and keeping it, um, you know, fully hydrated um, with water. And water is the best thing that you can give it. It will at some point, you know, it's not going to take up as much water as it did at the beginning. That's a good thing. Um, and there is a limit uh, to how long it'll it'll last. So a cooler location, it'll last a little longer. It's a lot like that wreath. Um, but it I'm is, not going to keep my living room that I know, cool. I know. I know. <laughs> we can't. We can't. But if you're placing it someplace that is a little bit cooler, it might last a little bit longer. Um, and then cutting it yourself, you're cutting it fresh. Um, that does improve uh, the longevity as well. As what long as if? Plenty of water. Mm-hmm. Right. What if you fail? And the yep. water goes dry, and right. then you're like, oh, I'll put more water in. Will that do anything? Um, not much. <laughs> okay. um, it, w- it will help a little bit. Sometimes they'll recommend that you, you know, recut it. And, of course, it's if you very have a practical. decorated yeah. yeah, yeah. You have a decorated <laughs> tree, you're not going to do this. So you just know that if it, you know, 
if it does go dry and it's starting to um, lose a few needles because of it, there's not a whole lot you can do. It's just going to be a shorter-lived Christmas tree in your home because it's starting to become a fire hazard in some places. One of the things, too, to keep in mind, especially as we get towards, you know, when things start going on sale, is get a new Christmas tree stand with a big water reservoir. Yeah. I oh, would say about half of them that are sold out there, the water reservoir is just too small. All right, that is, that is a good suggestion. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. Cindy Haynes, Iowa State University Professor of Horticulture. For more gardening information and tips, subscribe to our Garden Variety newsletter at iowapublicradio.org garden. Support for this IPR podcast comes from Iowa Community Foundations, an initiative of the Iowa Council of Foundations, connecting donors to causes they care about. Details on the Endow Iowa Tax Credit Program at communityfoundations.org. Support for IPR comes from the Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about the Healing Room at upstreamfm.com. It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. It's Horticulture Day today. We've been talking about taking care of holiday plants so far this hour. But you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions about any of the plants or trees in your life. You can give us a call at 866-780-9100. 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And I also want to mention, I, I, I give you that website, ipr.org slash garden, to take a look at Garden Variety, subscribe to the Garden Variety newsletter there. You could also go to ipr.org slash gardening. So just add, add an ING. And there are all kinds of great articles that, that you can scroll through, including our post about gifts for the gardener in your life. So if you are still shopping for the holidays, you may come up with some great ideas there. Go to iowapublicradio.org slash gardening. With me today, Cindy Haynes, Iowa State University Professor of Horticulture, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist. And Cindy, you mentioned holiday cacti, mm -hmm. and it's too late to get your Christmas cactus to bloom at this point if you right. haven't been doing the things you need to do to take care of them. But if you buy a new one and you bring it home, do mm -hmm. you have any advice just for that interim period before next year you start giving it those short days? Right. So I think the thing I would remind people, holiday cacti are cacti, but they don't like to be bone dry like most cactus. So, or most cacti. So, you know, watering them occasionally, giving them plenty of light, even fertilizing them a little bit during the growing season, all of those things will improve the growth of the plant. And then to get it to bloom next year, it's all about the short days of fall and the cooler night temperatures that we often have, um, even indoors. And that usually triggers um, those blooms. So put it in a place... Um, in October, November, that's uh, maybe dark um, after five or six that you don't go into as much, um, at least for a month, and that'll help trigger some flowers and blooms on it. It's really one of the easier ones to grow of the holiday plants, and it's an easier one to kind of keep year after year, as long as you don't let it totally dry out. Because if you do, the first thing it's going to do is drop any flower buds that are starting to form. 
So we had a, a holiday cactus success story in my house. Just oh, nice. this, this morning, my son was very excited. He got a cutting from a neighbor from her nice. Christmas cactus and brought it home and potted it up. And it's one frond, like one. <laughs> it's just one shoot of holiday cactus. It has two blue <laughs> blossoms on it. So, Already? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Very good. It's yes, the tiniest yes, we... pot. It's very funny. Yes, well, it sounds very cute, and we definitely need to talk about having him as a horticulture student. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll get to that eventually. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. The email is talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. Randy is on the line in Powersheet County with a question about a different kind of cactus. Hi, Randy. Hi. Years ago, we got some uh, cactus from the southwest part of the United States, and it has uh, real sharp thorns on it. Uh, how do I keep it from dying and not get stuck? Oh, and not get stuck. That's a that's <laughs> a good part of the equation. <laughs> so, so knowing what cactus it is might help. Um, but the cactus from the south, south, uh, southern parts of the states, whether it's southeast or um, southwest, um, generally like it really sunny and very dry. So, putting it in a south facing window or a western window. Um, indoors, um, maybe watering it once a month or once every two months, uh, especially in the winter, um, is is probably a, a good thing uh, to think about. So not a lot of water. Most cacti are also potted in um, sand, at least 50% sand, so that improves the drainage and adds some weight because they tend to be very top-heavy. They don't have really extensive root systems, but they have a lot of top. Um, so that extra weight helps too. So those are some of the things that I would think about. Aaron, any other suggestions? Yeah, I mean, in terms of getting, the other thing to consider is, you know, some folks when they hear a plant loves a lot of light, they'll move it outside for the summer. And this could really appreciate that. But keep in mind that you can't move it straight to full sun outside. Mm -hmm. um, and on cactus, it's really important to, to kind of transition them from the indoor light, even if it's really bright indoor light, it's still pretty dim compared to the outside. And make sure that you transition them to higher light levels because when cactus get basically a sunburn, it's a permanent mark yeah. on the on the stems, uh, on those thick fleshy stems. So it's hard to come back from that, at least in appearance. Uh, the plant usually does okay, but it doesn't look very nice. It, gets, it develops these basically these scars on it. Um, and so if you do decide to move it outside, which can be a nice thing, start in full shade, leave it in full shade for a week or two, then move to part sun. And you probably don't need it to be in full sun if it's going to be a house plant during the winter, um, during the summer. Um, but it would probably really appreciate a little, I don't I always call them summer vacations because everybody <laughs> loves a summer vacation. <laughs> Randy, thanks a lot for the call. You can join us, 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And David in Des Moines says, I am so impressed by this. He says, we have a Norfolk Island pine. Yes. It is over six feet tall. Woohoo! Yeah. He says, however, we recently repotted it and it seems to be sagging more and growing fewer new needles and branches. I know our dry home is not ideal, even with a humidifier. Is there anything we can do to make it happier this winter? Mm. Humidity is really important for Norfolk Island pine. When you think about where they're from, 
um, that that humidity is really is really important. Um, the good thing, at least, is that unlike our our Christmas trees, when Norfolk Island pine drops, they don't tend to drop individual needles. It's a whole branch. It's a whole branch that falls off, um, and so. Anything you can do to raise the humidity will help a lot. Make sure that it dries out in between waterings, but doesn't get to a point where it would. it's hard to see a Norfolk Island pine wilt because of its thick needles and mm-hmm. branches. But, um, that you know, it can get too dry, too. And keep in mind that, you know, where this tree is native, they used it to build ship masts. Right. Like, it gets enormous with Over time. Over 100 feet. Yes. Obviously not indoors uh, and not this far. No, <laughs> it won't happen. <laughs> it yeah. won't happen. But it, it is a plant that will get very large with time. Um, and so uh, there will be a time where... Um, you'll have to start over uh, well, because there won't be room for it. Right. And, <laughs> if, and if you're that successful, I have, I have mine. <laughs> I, I kill Norfolk Island pine really successfully in my house. He, <laughs> should he, should he mist it? I mean, raising the humidity is hard. Would misting it help? Misting isn't going to make a big difference no. because misting only raises the humidity for the moment that you're misting. Otherwise it just makes wet things wet, um, which isn't the same as humidity. So um, it is It is something like a humidifier. Grouping it with other plants would help a lot too. So putting it with other plants, the, all of their collective foliage can help hold a little bit more moisture in that area. Um, if it's small enough, putting it on a pebble tray is another option. A pebble tray is just a shallow dish of water that has something in it like pebbles to elevate the pot above the water um, and allow it to evaporate, uh, which can raise the humidity in that very general area. Um, And so those things could potentially help. I would say that for most folks, the challenge they get with Norfolk Island Pine is the amount of light they receive and the humidity. And especially this time of year, both of those things are low. And so it can be really hard to make them happy. So, but, Dave, but David oh. has done a good job so yeah. far. So mm-hmm. to get this thing to six feet, that is absolutely amazing. So he's got the location down. So if it's in the same location, the only thing really is, you know, checking the watering because they are they like it consistent and then improving that humidity. And fingers crossed because it is a Norfolk Alpine. <laughs> Sorry. So, but, but let me ask about location. I mean, could he augment the the light, you know, put a, a grow light? They, there are, you know, so many different options for somewhat aesthetically pleasing grow lights now. Mm-hmm. Would that be a good idea? Yeah, absolutely. Especially in the wintertime. Uh, the amount of light that comes into our homes this time of year is so low. And we notice it. Plants notice it even more. Mm-hmm. So... Um, it it could be uh, very beneficial. And they don't have to be above the plant. You know, a plant that large, it can be hard to put a a light above it and and have it help the entire canopy. They can also be, you know, pointed at the sides um, for a larger plant that can be helpful too. Uh, In particular for those lower branches that would get even less light if you had it Mm -hmm. above something that's six foot tall. And so... Uh, that's always an option as well. Uh, the light does need to be fairly close to the plant to be effective. The intensity drops off dramatically as you as you back away from the light source. Um, and our eyes don't notice that. But uh, if you measured it with a meter, if uh, and and the plant, of course, measure or can can notice that too. So uh, keep that in mind when you're using an artificial light source that it needs to be pretty close to the plant to be fully effective. 
All right. David, good luck. 866-780-9100 is the number to call. 866-780-9100. Email your questions to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. We do have a couple of lines open for you right now. And let's talk to Krista in Muscatine. Hi, Krista. Hello. How you doing? Hi, Cindy. Hi. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm calling to ask, as people are giving plants as gifts, what to be aware of when people have pets in their house? What kind of, I know there's some pet um, plants to avoid, but I honestly have a hard time remembering which ones. Okay. So if you have a cat lover that you're gifting right. a plant to, are there yeah. a few things that we should just not do? Yeah, There are some things that, this one's a hard one to determine because we don't run these kind of studies really well. We don't say, okay, let's have a cat eat all of these different things and see which <laughs> ones kill them. Um, That's not, yeah. We, yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm glad you're not doing that. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, we don't do that. We don't do that. Um, we do have some evidence that amaryllis is one of those that maybe cats should avoid. Um, but you have, you know, they have to eat a lot usually to make, um, to have some serious uh, damage. Um, we also know that poinsettias, which people think are poisonous or not. So, um, yeah, I think the thing to think about here is there are a couple of houseplants that I would avoid avoid if you had um, small children or pets. One of them is called a Diffenbachia um, or dumb cane because we do have some evidence of it causing throats to kind of swell up um, and restricting airflow. Um, and really that's about it um, as far as we have some, some strong evidence. The other thing to think about is um, I, I mean, I mean you, there aren't edible plants either. Poinsettias are safe. They, they work well for everyone, so that's kind of your safety option. Um, a lot of other things like that Norfolk Island pine or cacti are prickly, so most pets won't touch them, um, or at least one nibble, and then they're on to something else. Um, and then the other plants, you put them, maybe they're temporary plants, um, you put them in places that maybe the cat or the dog can't get to, or you ask them to put them in places that the cat or the dog can't get to. So I have two cats that have nibbled on everything in the house, um, and they're still alive. So <laughs> running I your to, own study, a human study, I, right? I do. I do feel like I am running my own study. Well, so. and and the other thing to keep in mind is that it is hard to know all the plants and to remember all mm -hmm. of the plants because mm -hmm. each one impacts cats, dogs, other animals, people differently if they were to be accidentally consumed. And so there is a nice resource from the ASPCA. Um, and if you search poisonous plants ASPCA, they have a searchable database that includes most of the common indoor plants right. that we have that are, uh, and will tell you how their toxicity for cats and dogs and horses uh, randomly. So right. um, that can be a, a nice resource to use if you wanna check up on something that you're bringing into your home. Um, the one holiday plant that's not this time of year that I know is on that list, this would be for later, is Easter lily. Yeah. Easter lily is is uh, bad news for cats in yeah. particular. Lilies um, are pretty tough. They are pretty, pretty rough on on cats and they are a kind of plant that sometimes cats would nibble on yeah. unfortunately so yeah. that's one that's for a different time of year yeah the, the other one for this time of year that we don't um encourage either is mistletoe 
mistletoe berries mm. are highly toxic. Yeah, for so people I, and for animals. Yeah, and for animals. But you usually don't see the berries on mistletoe. So those they're usually fake berries if you get any kind of mistletoe. So yeah, it's a it's a that's a good question, Krista. Very tricky, and um, yeah, not a not a lot of really good research. Right, and sometimes you got to know the cat too. Yeah, because I true. mean, I certainly have. There's one of my cats who would <laughs> he would eat any plant. I, I and I knock would, it over and dig right. in it and probably use that as a litter box. So right, and it's just to get your attention. So <laughs> is that what he's? I think he's. Yeah. <laughs> he gets plenty of attention. Not always the best kind. <laughs> He's a busy, busy guy. All right. Uh, we do have some advice from Pete in Des Moines. He says, if your tree goes dry, using a sharp blade to make a bevel cut around the tree base is a good idea. This angle cut exposes more surface area of bark capillaries, keeps this fresh cut out of the pan bottom and can be redone with the tree in place. Yeah. I love that because that sounds like the voice of experience. Yeah. <laughs> the thing to keep in mind, though, is that you won't be able to let the water level drop as low if you do that bevel cut because then the, the conducting, water conducting tissue that's exposed is higher up on the trunk. Oh, yeah. And so you'll have to be a little bit more diligent after that. You like learned your lesson. You, you did a good job of fixing it. You got to be more diligent about it. Um, and, and if it hasn't come across yet, keeping your cut tree well watered consistently is absolutely the best thing you can do to have it live uh, or thrive the longest in your home. Uh, the second best thing is getting a good one to start with. Yes. A high quality one to start with. You do those two things and you will be just easy, fine. Easy peasy. Yeah. Nancy asks, would a spider plant or a pothos survive full sun outside, assuming plenty of time in the shade before transitioning to full sun? They would. Um, they would both burn. So they would have, in, at least initially, even going from, you know, shade to part shade to full sun, because both of these plants, you know, if you've seen pothos in its native environment, it's it grows up trees. It's kind of an understory. It gets maybe a little bit of direct light um, every day, but not that much. And the same with a kind of spider plant. And spider plant, often has it's a variegated form so it's often got white in it uh, which sometimes that white variegation will burn um, as well would they both survive it absolutely they're both tough as nails plants um, but i would say if you could get it into the kind of part shade situation at most where maybe it's getting some morning sun and some afternoon shade it will it will perform a lot better for you we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a moment. Cindy Haynes is here, Iowa State University professor of horticulture, and Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension horticulture specialist. They are here to answer your questions. So give us a call, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100, or send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. This is Talk of Iowa. Support for IPR comes from The Healing Room at Upstream Functional Medicine, offering medical spa services that support the body's natural ability to detoxify from environmental challenges. Learn more about The Healing Room at UpstreamFM.com. 
It's Talk of Iowa from IPR News. I'm Charity Nebbe. Today is Horticulture Day, and you are welcome to join the conversation with your questions about the plants and trees in your life. Give us a call, 866-780-9100, 866-780-9100. We've got a couple of lines open for you right now. You can also email talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And uh, we've got a question from Tracy in Mason City. By the way, I'm talking to Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension Horticulture Specialist, and Cindy Haynes, Iowa State University Professor of Horticulture. Tracy's got an amaryllis question for us from Mason City. She said, I had an amaryllis that was in wax last year. I let its leaves die naturally last year. I stratified the bulb, and I now have it potted in soil. How likely am I to get a flower this year? Um, well, some people do this well. So, I, you know, I don't know if, Charity, you know that I used to give Richard waxed amaryllis yes. all the time. Um, and then he would take them out of the wax, and he would grow them, and... Very frequently, he would give me that same bulb back when it was blooming, you know, a year or two later. So I do know that it can live if it's given enough proper care. The The thing about getting amaryllis to rebloom the next year, it's all about how well you cared for them after blooming and when it was in foliage. So it, it needs plenty of light. Um, plenty of consistent water and plenty of fertilizer so that it's putting that energy back into the bulb so that it's setting some nice flowers for you um, during that kind of drought, kind of dormant period that it needs after having this really good summer vacation kind of period as well. So waxed amaryllis, it's a little harder because you don't have the root growth um, and there's no good way to get that bulb up and going but it doesn't mean that it's it's totally toast because if you've got it potted up even if it doesn't bloom well it will probably produce one bloom and you can kind of give it this kind of nice care and fertilizer after blooming so that you can get it back um it's a it's a great house plant if you can if you're a good gardener. Right. If you're, if you're willing to put in the time. Although I, I told right. you about this last year, Cindy, that one of my kids just didn't clean their room very well after they had a waxed amaryllis that bloomed. It just sat in there and then it rebloomed the next year. It was a much I, I smaller flower. I, I don't think you can bank on that. No, I don't think you can bank on that. And you should definitely um, but... clean your room more often. <laughs> Yes, is Jackson listening? <laughs> no, yes, he's not. Absolutely. There are no 16-year-old he's boys not. listening to this show right now, probably. <laughs> if, if, if you're out there, you can call us. We'd love to talk to you at 866-780-9100. All right. And we, we, should, we should do a podcast for teenage boys, Cindy, you and me. We've got uh, a lot of I, ideas. We do. We do. Yep. Yeah, n- not that the teenage boys would listen. They would not. Okay. All right. Let's yep. go back to the phone. Susan is on the line in Iowa City. Hi, Susan. Hi. What's your question? I, I, I don't have a question. I have a success story. Yay. I, um, I have had a jade plant for years, and it's blooming. Yes. Oh. Very, Which very they good. They very don't weird. do this regularly. Yeah. Yeah. This is the second time it's bloomed. So, so I just wh- thought that was why neat. do you think it's bloom? Why is jade plant blooming in your house? Why do you think? I 
I think I neglected it, and I think it's trying to reproduce. <laughs> <laughs> it must get plenty it, of light, too. Yes. Yes. Oh, it gets a lot of light, yeah. 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 And I put it outside every summer, and um, it doesn't get faithfully watered or anything. It gets neglected for the most part. But, um, yeah, it's a big one. I've had it a couple, 20 years probably or more. That's Susan, how would you describe the flower? And they're little white starry flowers, and there's like a, mm-hmm. little bunches of them. Yeah, they're, they're not exactly what I would think would come out of that plant. Right. Um, but when you know it's close relatives, the flower makes a lot of sense. Well, and it's, it's amazing because uh-huh. it doesn't always bloom every year. So it's, it's while it, you think it's about neglect, I think it's all about care and this consistent care, keeping it on the dry side. With the plenty of sun, oh, oh, yeah. is probably why yeah. why it's rewarding you with some nice blooms right now. Yeah, congratulations. I don't know if I give, I don't know if I give pieces to other people. It would do the same, or you know, is is this that kind of a common plant that it would just they would have success as well, or is it the treatment that I give it? You know, any jade plant will bloom like that. It's It really is about the treatment. Mm-hmm. So whether you took a cutting off uh-huh. of this one or a different one, you're providing it with abundant light. That's it one probably, of the big reasons. Um, abundant light over like, the summer yeah. um, and making sure that it doesn't stay too wet, which is really tough on jade plant if it stays too wet. So that neglect is actually care mm-hmm. in this case. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good well, job. I just wanted to share my success. Yeah, that's wonderful. <laughs> Susan, thank you so uh-huh. much for calling. Mm-hmm. It, 866-780-9100 is the number to call. 866-780-9100. You can also send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And Aaron, I want to talk a little bit more about Christmas trees because a, a lot of people are looking for options with Christmas trees. There are a lot of people that I, yeah. I, I understand that growing Christmas trees is, is agriculture. And so you're supporting tree farmers when you buy a live Christmas tree. But it's also kind of hard to think about cutting down a tree to put it in your house for a few weeks and then throwing it out. Um, when I was a kid, we used to buy live trees that were potted. And we had mm-hmm. varying success rates with, with planting those outside and, and their survival rates. But uh, people can do that, and there's still time to do that, right? Yeah, actually there is. I don't know that many of us have had our soil freeze yet yeah, um, no. across the state. So uh, the big that's one of the big uh, challenges is making sure that you can actually dig a hole to set it in for the rest of winter. The live potted tree, evergreen tree, conifer, um, really only works for the kinds of folks who celebrate the Christmas tree tradition by setting up a Christmas tree like on Christmas Eve, decorating it, enjoying it the next day or the next couple of days, and then taking it out of your home. Um, The reason why it's so rough is because when you bring it in your home, it basically pulls it out of dormancy. And then in, you know, the first week of January, you plop it outside in some of the coldest temperatures we will have all year when it's coming out of dormancy. And that's probably uh, why you saw varying levels of success (laughs) in the past, depending on the weather. So making sure that you have a hole dug so you can protect that root system by setting it down in the hole and making sure it doesn't spend more than five, seven, maybe 10, but probably more like five days indoors um, will, will mean that that tree can then become a part of your landscape the next year. 
uh, with hopefully some good success. I, I'm sure that there are some nurseries that that probably have their regulars, the people who come in to do this mm-hmm. every year and and just make this a routine. I also saw an article the other day about a nursery in London that rents out live trees and then you return the tree. And then when it reaches a certain height, they plant it in a forest, they say. Oh, well, that's interesting. You know, there are other live trees that you can do that you can actually keep year to year. You know, rosemary trims into a little topiary shape, like um, tree shape really nicely. Mm -hmm. And it has that narrow leaf. So it kind of looks a little bit like a traditional Christmas tree and it smells really good. So that's like another benefit. Tiny little ornaments to go on that. Little bitty ornaments. Yeah, Yeah. that would be a tabletop tree for sure. But Mm -hmm. that that can be a nice alternative that you can actually keep from year to year. Of course, you have to bring it in over the winter and treat it like a house plant because it's not winter hardy for us. But um, and and you can flavor food with it. I mean, it's like that's that's nice too. So uh, there's some examples like that that can be a lot of fun uh, instead of a cut tree. You can join the conversation with your questions, 866-780-9100. We've still got time for a few more questions and lines open for you, 866-780-9100. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. And one of the things that I really love seeing for people that have a lot of houseplants it's so fun when people put lights in and amongst the houseplants. I mean, that's mm-hmm. such a, a lovely look to have the lights and the greenery. And it certainly goes well beyond the Christmas tree. Do either one of you uh, decorate with your houseplants? <laughs> a little bit, yes. <laughs> uh, there have definitely been years where I've hung lights on some of my larger houseplants. You know, some of them that like Norfolk Island Pine would support lights if you wanted to put lights in it. One of them that is a little hard to light but looks really pretty when you do it is a weeping fig. I say it's difficult to light because the, the branches are so wispy. Right. Um, and so it's hard to have the branches hold up the wire. But if you can figure it out, maybe, you know, wrap a little. And obviously it's a temporary thing. But... Uh, it looks really pretty when it's lit at I, night. I know. I had some balls once, some, you know, lighted balls that I put in my weeping fig as well. But that became a cat toy. Oh. So <laughs> I haven't lit it um, since then. But, you know, other it's large mm-hmm. other large houseplants could be a lot of fun well, to light. Uh, well, yeah, think about even cactus. I mean, that would be a great one to have. You know, if you had a big enough cactus, you could have some... And they make those little tiny mini lights now that aren't hot. That aren't hot. That would yeah. be the thing to keep yeah. in mind is you would want to use an LED string of lights because the traditional, even the miniature Christmas lights do get really hot right at the surface. And that will cause damage on a cacti, mm-hmm. um, uh, on any cacti. So that you would have to watch out for. But uh, that's yeah. certainly not uh, hard to find now. LED no. lights aren't hard to find. Right. You have a lot would, of fun with uh, decorating your houseplants. Would, <laughs> would holiday lights interfere i mean led holiday lights would they interfere with the light cycle for for any plants or would that just be a temporary thing and and no big deal i mean most of our house plants don't flower so it's not a big deal i mean really this time of year the one we're the most concerned about tends to be holiday cacti and Um, it's already blooming and it's already blooming so for most of us so that isn't a huge issue um most most other blooming plants are either um, already already set buds or already on their way to blooming or most of our houseplants just don't flower. We don't mm-hmm. need to worry about it then. 
866-780-9100 is the number to call. You can send email to talkofiowa at iowapublicradio.org. We just got an email from Rick in, in response to our conversation about jade plants. Rick wants us all to know that there's currently a large jade plant blooming in the conservatory at Ryman Gardens. It's a beautiful display. So. <laughs> yes, I have a picture of it. I just took a picture of it not too long ago. <laughs> it is very pretty. Nice. Very, very nice. How long would a jade plant bloom? Um, most of the time, maybe two weeks at the most, uh, for, for, for Jade, if it were, and this is true for a lot of these house plants that we don't typically see flowers on and then they show up. Um, sometimes this happens with like Chinese evergreen mm -hmm. you'll see. And it's, it's actually kind of the ugliest little flower. Oh, I think but it's kind of cool. I don't know. Well, <laughs> it we is, do, it is different. It is very, it's kind of a Jack in the pulpit style flower. Cause it's in that same family. Um, but, uh, you know, it'll be around for a few weeks and then it's done. Uh, so you can kind of enjoy the anomaly. And then once the flowers fade, you can absolutely prune them off. That will help approve, improve the appearance. Um, and you don't want them to go to seed. Not that they really got pollinated anyway, but if they did accidentally get pollinated, you don't want them to go to seed anyway. That takes a lot of energy out of the plant that you don't really need to do for your house plant. This time of year, I think a lot of us are impulse plant purchasers. <laughs> we, you know, you see the display, you're just grocery shopping and you walk past, you know, the display of the gorgeous Norfolk Island pine or, you know, whatever it is that's potted up and looking really beautiful and, and you make a snap decision. If you are making that snap decision, can you, what, what do you need to look for to buy the healthiest specimen in one of these big displays at whatever store you might be in? Yeah. So I usually look for, they're often in kind of decorated containers. Um, so I often kind of pull that back and make sure that it's fully leafed all the way down to the, near the base. That means it's, it was grown pretty well. Um, I also look for if there are any branches that are wilting or because they're too dry or too wet or root rot, those kinds of things. Um, I might even check the soil to see if it's staying too wet or too dry. And I have been known to pop a plant out of the container to take a look at the root systems um, to make sure that it's their roots are white and kind of vibrant. I also buy things that are very colorful, that don't have any kind of spots on the leaves, that are doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, and yes, I impulse buy a lot of plants uh, <laughs> <laughs> and check them out. And it, and if it, you know, if, and I look for insects or disease um, and it may not be in my house very long if it's something that's a temporary plant like a poinsettia or it may be there for years, like if it's another holiday cactus. When you impulse buy houseplants, do you mm -hmm. put them through any kind of a quarantine period just to make sure there aren't insects hiding in the uh, yeah. the soil that might cause problems for all your other plants? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's really hard to find a quarantine location. Yeah, That's we have one so of many my plants. We have, yeah, we have a <laughs> lot of plants. Um, I am more diligent about watching it because if, right. in particular, the, the worry are um, insects like scale, mealybug, whitefly, um, aphids, those kind of spider mites. And um, those issues, if they're going to be issues, if the plant has them and you miss them, will explode usually within two to four weeks. And so if you do a good job of nice monitoring um, and catch it as early as you can when you first notice it, um, that's typically how I end up 
it's not really technically quarantining. It's just kind of like closer eye. Um, and knowing that if I can get through the first couple of months and not have any insect issues, the plant likely didn't have insects on it. And I'm I'm okay after that, and I can kind of treat it more like the rest of my house plants after that. A lot of the plants that we buy this time of year, if there's something that we're going to keep, they come in a really temporary kind of pot. Do you need to be careful about when you repot a house plant since we are in the depths of winter? Yeah, ideally you want to do any kind of stressful thing like, you know, cutting back or repotting right before you know there's going to be a good time for a flush of growth. So if we can hold off until March uh, to do any kind of repotting or cutting back or even sometimes propagating, um, it usually means it's more successful for the plant because it's less time that they're just sitting there waiting for more sun, warmer weather um, to do a little bit better. So it pays to be a little lazy sometimes in January and February. I love and that. do all of that kind of work. Yeah, do all that work. Uh, in March, you know, before you can get outside is, is kind of a prep uh, for you and your plants. Um, and then everyone kind of tends to do a little better that way. Well, we are out of time. Cindy Haynes, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Cindy Haynes, Iowa State University professor of horticulture. Aaron Style, thank you. You're welcome. Aaron Style, Iowa State University Extension horticulture specialist. Happy holidays to both of you. We'll see you in January.